Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 52 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm super glad that you're here. And you know what the number 52 means, right? I have been doing this for a year. Confetti flies celebration. It's actually been a little bit more than a year because I've taken a couple, three weeks off due to vacation and or travel. Um, So I think that that's really exciting. I got this wild hair to start a podcast. Um, I absolutely love it. I love doing it. I love the people that I talk to. I am so lucky in who I get booked on this show. And I have had such a good time. Um, Most of all, one of my very, very favorite things has been reaching out to you guys and hearing from you guys, hearing what you take from the interviews, hearing your opinions, hearing your questions about things. Um, Just being here with you the fact that you let me into your ears while you're driving or while you're exercising or while whatever it is that you're doing, you're thinking about writing, you're honoring your writing self. God, that is exciting. That is so, I want to say keen because apparently I'm uh, one of the Hardy Boys. Um, but thanks for being here. I really, really mean that with all of my heart. Um, this is so Fun. And now I'm doing two podcasts. If you're not listening to the pedal to the metal with my friend Jay Thorne and I, we talk about moving from the day job to the dream job. Uh, that is also a fun podcast. You can start from the beginning and catch up. We're not that far into it. Um, only about half as deep as I am here in this podcast. How do you write? Uh, just a quick reflection on what I have learned. And I'm I'm pulling this out of my butt right now. So I haven't actually thought about this until this very second. But one thing I have learned, I know, is that I definitely had preconceived notions about the best way to write. Of course I did. We all have preconceived notions about that, right? Our processes are our processes. Um, They are ours because they work for us. They work, therefore, we extrapolate from that fact that they are good. Um, I have learned through interviewing people that there is no one way to write, which logically, of course, I could have told you that. Um, But in my heart, I was still kind of thinking that my way was the right way. My way is not the right way. Um, The person who I interviewed last week, uh, whoever that was, the last one you listened to, their way is not the right way either. That way is right for them. Um, I've talked to morning writers, afternoon writers, midnight writers. I've talked to people who love writing and people who are terrified of writing, who who can almost not make it to the page and get words out. We all fall somewhere in the spectrum of the writing career. Um, I've talked to people in all parts of the path, in all genres, and the similarity between all of us is that we want to communicate emotion with our words to another person. It doesn't even have to be to a lot of people. It can even be just to us. But that communication that happens from our brain to the page and then back into somebody else's or our own brain, that's where the magic is. That's where we find that excitement and that joy. And we all share that, even if it's sometimes it's hard to find. Um, so happy birthday to this show. Uh, thanks for being along for the ride. 
Um, I also want to mention really quickly something very cool that happened last week. And if you read my newsletter, you've already heard about it, but I found my mother's morning pages. This is a big deal because my mother was a writer. Um, she was also very hard to know. Uh, she was one of my favorite people in the whole world. There's nobody smarter that has ever lived. No one smarter than my mother. Um, but she was very private and she was very good and talented at keeping herself private. And my whole life I wanted to know about her, really about her, in her heart and soul. Like I wanted her to spill the beans the way I spill the beans on everything. Um, and she never did that. That was not her way. However, many years ago, uh, back in 1996, apparently, I convinced her to try The Artist's Way, which is a book by Julia Cameron. And it's a really great workbook. It takes you through 12 weeks of creativity exercises. Um, one of these exercises includes for those 12 weeks, you write three pages a day longhand from the top of your brain. You're not trying to think big thoughts. You're just trying to dump some of your thoughts on the page. <laughs> apologize if you can hear my dog panting in the background. Apparently she's very excited about this. Um, so the things that land on the morning pages page can be completely stupid. Like, I don't know what to write. I am not feeling this. I am not in the mood to write right now. Or they can be really deep. Um, how am I feeling internally? How, how has this, how have I come to become this person? The artist's way asks those questions. Uh, and my mom, interestingly enough, in trying to dodge, I think, some of her brain, would answer some of those artist's way questions on the page. And I found these pages, 215 of them, uh, in a folder which I swear to God I had gone through a hundred times before. My sisters have gone through these folders. All we've been able to find in her writing are pretty dry pieces about, you know, book reviews that she read, wrote or other articles for magazines, nothing really about herself. And this is the, pardon the pun, mother load. And I'm going really slowly through them. I'm scanning them also. I'm um, transcribing them so that I can give them to family. And I feel like I've really found my mother. And as a person who lost her mother, I guess it was nine years ago now, uh, this is so incredibly special and it makes me feel so connected to her. And it makes me want to encourage you to keep a journal of some sort and don't write about your, you know, of course, have your lists somewhere. We all need our lists and our thoughts on paper, um, but also have some kind of reflection perhaps of what your life means to you and how you feel about it. Uh, that's truly the richest vein that I'm hitting in these pages from my mother. And I just feel so lucky to have found them. Um, so that's my encouragement for you this week. Uh, and there's just so much news this week. Quickly, um, registration is open for my Puerto Vallarta uh, 2017 fall retreat. It is four nights, three days, accommodations paid for, all food paid for. We have an in-house chef. There's uh, There are five stories, multiple pools, looks down into Puerto Vallarta, short walk down a cobblestone hill to get put your feet in the sand. Um, for three days, we'll be riding together, uh, about three hours in the morning and then another hour in the evening before dinner. And you have the whole afternoon to either sleep, nap, retreat, go swimming, go exploring, do whatever it is you want to do. And it's all for a very reasonable price. So um, this episode is sponsored by that. If you are interested in it, there are only seven other bedrooms. There are eight bedrooms in the villa. This incredible villa. Go look at the pictures. Um, and I have one of them. So that seven people can come. I just opened registration yesterday. It's already filling up. So if you hear this 
jump on my website and um, sign up. I will obviously make it real clear when it is sold out. So go to rachelherron.com slash write, scroll to the bottom, and the uh, retreat is there. Uh, also, if you hear this in a few weeks or a few months, well, not in a few months because it's September 2017, but if you hear it before that and you think, boy, has uh, it was full, but has anything opened up, go check the page. Um, I will let people know if people drop out also, but you should come. It's going to be so fun, and um, retreats are really, really one of my favorite things to do, and I honestly believe that at any level of writer that you are, any level, you're just starting to write, or you have 25 books, um, I can help you find some of that fire and the passion in your writing again. That's one of the things that I love doing the most. So do consider it. That is so much talking. Happy anniversary to this podcast. Happy writing to you. Oh, you're going to love this episode, by the way. Uh, I forgot to tell you at the top of the segment that it is with Elizabeth Greenwood, who is fantastic. She wrote a um, non narrative uh, nonfiction book that I loved about pseudocide called Playing Dead, where people fake their own deaths. And uh, not only is she a really, really great writer, she seems like a great human being that I want to spend more time with because she's so funny and sweet and down to earth and wicked smart. So um, please enjoy the interview. Happy writing to you and we'll talk soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write and you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I am just so, so, so pleased today to welcome Elizabeth Greenwood to the show. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I am super, super excited, especially I loved your book, and we'll talk about that, but let me give a little introduction for those who might not know you. Elizabeth Greenwood is the author of Playing Dead, A Journey Through the World of Death Fraud, a nonfiction book about people who have faked their deaths. Her writing has appeared in The Believer, Rhapsody, O Magazine, Guernica, Vice, and the digital editions of The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and Esquire. And she teaches creative nonfiction at Columbia University. So, oh my gosh, your book was amazing. And it was one of those serendipitous things that came into my life right when I'm thinking about a I'm working on a thriller now, but after that, I have another thriller in mind, which may have a person who commits this pseudocide. Love and, it. And, and your book is just perfect. I think it's in the zeitgeist. And 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 more mm. than that, I just really, really enjoyed your writing. Um, creative nonfiction yeah. is my favorite thing to read. I teach memoir at Stanford, and nice. it was just so such a treat to be in your voice. So oh. thank you for that. And I can't recommend thank it more you. highly. Oh my gosh. Course. I'm glad this is recorded. I'm going to be listening to that over and over again. <laughs> That's why we're doing it. <laughs> but I'd love to know about your process. That's what this this podcast sure. is about. Because writers always want to know that. I always want to know that. Um, and you're really prolific. So I would love to know when is the best time of day for you to write? And where do you get your writing done? So I've always had this great fantasy that I would be one of those writers that wakes up early and, you know, maybe goes for a constitutional and then sits down for and writes their quota of words and then is done by lunch and then just knocking off, you know. Unfortunately, my brain doesn't really um, start working until about uh, like one p.m., which sucks. I mean, it's getting a little better in my advanced age. I'm definitely waking up earlier and things are like starting to work. But I would say 
that my best hours are really between about two and six. Nobody ever says that. I know. It's so weird. It's like I'm like a tea time writer. Like, it's so strange. <laughs> Most people are early or late. Not early or late. I know. And it's so annoying because I still wake up super early and I'm just kind of like getting ready to write all day. And what that looks like is basically just dealing with my life in a way that I know I'm not going to get like arrested or evicted. And then I feel like, okay, I'm a little bit calmer now. Now I can start thinking about things. I really like to edit in the morning. Um, oh. I feel like I do my best reading in the morning. Mm-hmm. So when I have my druthers, I like to spend, you know, an hour or so just reading. And then um, the composition work for me comes after like uh, throwing myself down on the couch in despair after reading, maybe falling asleep, drinking more coffee, again, tending to the business. Yeah. And then and then we're off to the races. I like to I like to quit writing about once a day, personally. Hell yeah, yeah. I'm just at I'm least, just I'm least. done at like eight a.m. I'm never gonna do it again. And by eight fifteen, I'm at the desk working. Then it's like makeup sex. Then yeah. Like, what? <laughs> it really is, and I'm so I'm so dumb in that I trick myself like every single day. So that's that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> um and and where do you write? Do you write in your home? Do you go? Are you a coffee shop writer? I like to write outside my home. Again, when I have my druthers, if I just have an hour or so, I'll bang it out at home. But before I know it, when I'm at home, I end up like reorganizing the closet, giving the dog a bath, just like too many distractions. Um, For Playing Dead, I really drafted most of the chapters at residencies, which I love because – I'm sure your listeners know when you do a residency, you're just totally outside of like time and space in this weird way and around people who are also just doing the work. So that's where I got a lot of the kind of like heavy lifting of playing dead done. Right now I have a writing space um, that's shared in Brooklyn that I go to. And that's been working really well for me. I'm much more productive outside of my house. My house feels like the inside of my brain. Yeah, so me nice too. to leave. <laughs> me too. I like to do all my work work here, but my actual writing, I like to go to the library yeah. or the cafe or whatever, just get away. Um, oh, what was my question from that? Oh, the, co-work- the co-working space is is it like a traditional co-working or is it just for a group of writers? Just for writing. With? So it's silence, oh, like nice. in drop silence, which I really like. I do enjoy that. In I college, I would always go into those like ADD pens where you're just like, like in the basement of the library. So it's kind of like a call back to that. It's nice. I still, I still do that. I, I got my master's at Mills, which is in Oakland. And now, and now after I paid all that money to them, I go into the library, which I never went in as a student. I don't think even once. Um, but now I go to the library and I, I lock myself in a carol and just, yeah. I got nothing to look at, nothing to do. There's a plug, Here, there's that's a lamp. Yeah. yeah. And there's no one talking. There's no one. There was like a guy blowing his nose the other day and I was furious. <laughs> dare you? Dare you? And how do you write? Are you longhand computer? Are you a mix? Yeah, I'm a little bit of both. When I am um, pre-writing, if you will, I do everything longhand. And I will just kind of make on blank computer paper um just almost an inventory of what is everything that's going to go into this piece of writing. So I've got perhaps the person, their biography, talking to people around them. And I'll just kind of like take stock of what the raw material of this is going Mm -hmm. to be. 
from there, I then will kind of like side by side have another blank piece of paper. And then I'll try to organize those elements into some kind of coherent fashion. But in this phase, for me, there's a lot of drawing lines and arrows and scratching things out and connecting the dots, really. And then when I start drafting, that's all just in an old school word document. No fancy Scrivener, nothing like that. Oh my gosh, I tried Scrivener and I was like, I think I'm dumb. Like, I do not understand this at all. And then I hated the formatting it did. So, <laughs> oh, I tried. I know people swear by it. Where do you? But I was studying it for longer than I was using it. Oh, was, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Word, Word is still great. Well, it's it's a, it's it's clunky, but it's great. Um, where you your your book is so heavily research driven. Where did you where did you store all that research? Is it? Do you use Evernote? Do you- oh gosh! Oh my gosh! No, I tried that too. It was a mess. I'm a failure think- at Evernote. I'm only just learning about it now. I've been trying for Real years. Eight. Yeah. So this hope. I think I'm a luddite. Um, I joke that if there was ever a fire in my house, like my book would be gone pretty much. I have things. I really like paper, so I have everything kind of in files, and that's how I'm doing it with this one too. I do have a lot of things also, like I'll scan them just so I can search search for things easier. Yeah. Um, but no, it's really it's like it's like f- file folders. I mean, <laughs> that's it's, so old school. The it's thing. I know, I know. But you know, I read um, Michael Lewis writes all of his. He uses note cards. And he's like, I swear by this. No one ever listens to me, but note cards for everything, for every person. He lays them out all over his home. So I'm like, I'm like inching toward that. That's kind of for me. I have note cards on my desk, which I have tried to use. And I think that they're ideal. I just haven't quite gotten it into my workflow. I'm a post-it gal. It's all about post-it for me. Okay. And how do you refill the creative well when you're running dry? Yeah. Um, Definitely reading. For sure. Reading is probably the biggest. When I'm reading, I feel like I'm teaching myself how to write. Although there are certain things that I I won't read um, if it feels too close to what I'm doing um, because I don't want to subconsciously steal from people. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I do the same thing. There are things I avoid. But for me, it's definitely, you know, beyond reading, it's actually kind of getting out of the verbal world, you know, I really love to go to museums and just wander and tap more into that visual sense film too. I love going to the movies in the middle of the day when yeah. no one's there feels so, feels so naughty. I That's know. Your- I love it. <laughs> I, love that. I also love um, just getting new sensory input wherever I can get it. So whether that's at a museum, whether that's just walking around a new neighborhood that I haven't been to, I'm a huge eavesdropper. And in New York, you know, many opportunities for that. Um, and also just being with my friends and being able to be very playful and just like, you know, for me, when I know that I need to take a break, when the thing starts becoming very serious, you know, and very heavy and very like ponderous. So any way to get out of that and just like, like fuck around with my friends is really the best thing. I think that's one of my favorite ways too. And, and not a lot of people say that, but for me, it's essential. Yeah. What, what is the absolute best or worst writing advice you've ever been given? So the best writing advice or something that I come back to a lot um, is in an interview actually that I read with Jennifer Egan Mm -hmm. and she said, you have to give yourself permission to write badly. You have to to give yourself permission for it to suck or else you will never write anything. (laughs) 
So that's been really great for me because I'm not, I'm not really, um, you know, a very kind of fastidious writer. I have friends who can't go on to the next sentence until the sentence preceding it is perfect. I'm not like that. I'm just kind of like scorched earth, like barf it out and then deal with it later. So that her saying that kind of like, it was very affirming for me that what I was doing was okay somehow. Yeah. I go back to a lot. It's that Mm -hmm. whole Amamot shitty first draft, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I teach that. I always show my students that and they, it helps. (laughs) It really helps. And I I say it over and over and over again to to students and to myself, like every day, Uh every day, again, I forget it because I have a very, very little brain. And then I tell myself again the next day. Yeah. What secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like not even a tip. It's just kind of the, the raw, sad, ugly truth is just how many drafts things take for them to be good. And I think that I made the mistake and I continue to, because I, I, I forget who said it. It's that old chestnut about, I don't like writing, but I love the feeling of having, having written. written. Yeah. I don't know who said it either. <laughs> yeah. So I've done the thing where I've just sent things out for publication or to pitch way too early, way too early when they're half baked. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, having readers that you really trust and who will read your work and give you feedback, whether it's other writers or just people that you really love and, and respect. That's so important. I mean, we can't do that thing. We just can't do it on our own. <laughs> you know, it really does take a village. But then in terms of um, just kind of like a, a pithy statement that really helps me sometimes, and this is something I learned in graduate school from uh, one of my professors, Patty O'Toole. She had this little phrase that she drilled into us all the time. Why are you telling me this? And that sounds really rough at first. Like, why are you telling me this? Who cares? But when you break it down, it's really great. So what's the why of your piece? What are the stakes? Why should people care at all? Why are you telling me this? Who are you in relation to this? What's your characterization? What's your connection? What's your investment to this? Telling is the form that you've chosen structure tone. Is that in the best service to what you're doing? Uh, me, who is your audience and audience has been hugely helpful for me because I think Thinking, having a good sense of who your audience is really helps you answer questions of what you explain and what you should assume is kind of um, knowledge that they'll have of your subject already. So thinking of your audience, using that strategically to help you in your editorial process. And then this, what is the thing? What is the actual thing you're writing about? Because so often I found I have to write toward that. I will I will start out with something and it won't end up being that that's not actually what I'm writing about. That beginning thing was scaffolding to get me yeah. into my actual subject. So why are you telling me this? <laughs> I love that. And I can also really, really see that bringing it back to your book. I can see that you did that through your book. Mm. All of those questions are answered. Thank you, Professor O'Toole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Can, you, this, you may have just done this, but can you give us a quick craft tip? Yeah, so a couple things come to mind. Um, One thing I've noticed in looking at my work and looking at my peers' work and looking at student work is um, with beginnings and endings. Beginnings and endings are both really hard. And what I've noticed is that your true beginning is usually at least the second paragraph. 
maybe a bit longer. Maybe it's the third paragraph even. Once you get through all of that throat clearing and just kind of like rigmarole, same thing with endings. Usually there's a tendency to tie everything up into a beautiful bow and like this is what it all means in the ending. But I think endings are much more effective usually when it's that paragraph or two paragraphs or three paragraphs preceding what you think is the ending, when you've really laid out a very um, moving and charged scene, that and that scene might contain some of the ideas that then later you go and try to express through exposition. So that's that's been really helpful for me. Comes back to trusting the reader. Yeah, to trusting fill in those blanks yourself and trusting yeah. yourself that you don't always have to. Yeah like like put every single thing into and this is what it means and it's so tempting to do that you it's don't want so to be tempting but they get yeah. it the readers get it and then I as a reader always love that when when mm. the writer trusts me to make that leap and that that heartfelt last sentence which which doesn't give me everything wrapped up it makes right. me feel special you know it's very satisfying to do some work on your own you know and to leave a yeah. little bit of room for subtlety perhaps your ambiguity for things to be, you know, un- unpacked and interpreted yeah. too. Yeah. I've gone so far as now I don't care about my first page or even my first chapter at all. Um, I don't think about it. I, I just write it. It's terrible. And I leave yeah. it terrible until almost the very end. And then uh-huh. I can start working on it. But, but yeah. oh, oh, it's just the worst. <laughs> okay. Um, on really bad days, if you couldn't teach or write, um, what profession would you choose? Oh, my gosh. Anything to do with dogs, definitely. <laughs> Anything with dogs, like dog walker, dog groomer. Dog... Over, I don't know if you can see any of them, but they're, that's oh, I've got three in this room with dogs. me. There she is being very lazy on the couch. Oh. She's barely in here. She's wedged in there. Um, anything to do with dogs. Um, sometimes I have a fantasy of being a spy. <laughs> I could see but you I'm not doing very that. Subtle, not very subtle, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so I think that would be a bad job you, for you me. You throw them off that way. They would just think you weren't a spy. This bumbling kind of like, yeah, I would just hide in plain sight. That's for sure. Those are great answers. If you were starting over as a new writer now, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, God. Like 19 years old and wanted to be a writer. I would just say to really just do it. No one has to give you permission. You don't have to have some kind of uh, degree, really. And I think that that's so kind of like um, inculcated already now with the young kids. Like, yeah. like me, the young kids, I'd be like, don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, <laughs> they should do it. But I get. I think when I was, um, I, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know how one be the writer because it just seemed impossible, you know, with how you support yourself. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a trust fund or anything like this is all flying by the seat of my pants. So it was just, um, very daunting about how would one would do it for me. I did get an MFA because I think I really needed that institutional endorsement, you know, Mm -hmm. that these people thought I could, I could do this, but I think if I had to do it all over again, I would have just been a bit more bold in in really going for it and just writing. And, you know, that's the great thing about writing is that you can do other things. You know, it's not exactly like making a film, for example, where maybe you need to like immerse yourself. 
Yeah. Writing is good. It is a thing that you can, you know, do a couple hours a week and, and see how it goes. And I'd always wanted to do it. I was just fighting it because it seemed so impossible. And like, if it's impossible, why bother? But I think I would have just given myself permission to experiment and have fun and, and just go for it. I love that. I love this question because I like to hear how people would treat their earlier writer selves. Mm. And I think it always shows something something about them. And I, I like I like that you say that. What would you like to tell us about? Tell us where we can find you. And will you tell us a little bit about the book? Because I, I didn't do any job at all about telling what it was about. Yeah, of course. So um, you can find me on the Instagram at at Liz Greenwood, number four, letter U, Liz Greenwood for you. Okay. <laughs> Same on Twitter. Um, my book, Playing Dead, is coming out in paperback in August. Oh, cool. Yes. Save a few bucks. Why not? Um, <laughs> or read it on Kindle like I did. <laughs> that's great. It's like always in paperback then if it's on exactly, Kindle. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I am working on a new book right now, uh, another narrative nonfiction book for Simon & Schuster, uh, tentatively titled Love Lockdown. And this is about people who pursue relationships uh, with prisoners. Dude, I'm so in. I would like to pre-order it's this. Right now. <laughs> Thanks. You're going to be an yeah. auto buy for me. Cause... It's really cool. Oh, cool. Now, how did you get, how did you get the idea for playing dead? I think you said in the book, but I've, I've, I've lost it. So there's a short story and a long story with playing dead. The short story is I wrote uh, a profile for the believer about a man named Frank Ahern who helps people disappear. And he is the uh, person I write about in the first chapter of playing dead. He's a privacy consultant. Um, I've actually it, met him. Oh, you met him? Yeah, I've, he oh, he amazing. came and talked to a writer's chapter, and he's um, a friend of my best friend. So Isn't and he's, he great? he's such a character, <laughs> and I love how you wrote about him. He is that person. He's he such really, a sweetheart. Yeah, he's so sweet. Yeah. He's a really kind person. I love him. I shouldn't say that about the people I write about, but I always say that. <laughs> I do love. Like I love them. Um, but. Yes. The reason why I started thinking about disappearance and fake death is because I have a ton of student loan debt and I was just like, what am I going to do? I got to get out of here. <laughs> Help me. So then obviously that was like a little bit of a joke, but I was very intrigued with the idea and just what it would take and how you would do it. And if it's yeah. possible in the 21st century. And that's really the big driving question of the book. That's fascinating. Everybody go out and buy it. Seriously. Well, thank you so much. Oh my thank gosh. you. Thank Thank you for chatting with us. This has been just My a pleasure. true delight. Fun. Okay. Thanks. And I'll keep I'll keep track of you and get that next book ASAP. So <laughs> it'll be a well, everyone It'll be a while. Will be through menopause by the time it's out. <laughs> it'll be a while. It'll be a while. Thank you. I'm there. I'm there. Thank you so much. Thanks Have a lot. good day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write. You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.